0: you have your Bible, go with me to uh, Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> We're going to go back to our uh, journey through the book of Matthew. Uh, I know it's kind of been, we did the Christmas season and then we had an opportunity to do a Bible 21. And, and uh, so now I just want to kind of carry on in the book of Matthew. Uh, and in doing that, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of review or give you some information. Uh, I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 19 is where we're going to go uh, eventually, but I want to just kind of review some things um, with you. So if you have Matthew uh, in front of you, Matthew chapter 16, you've got Jesus reminding uh, this group of individuals about they were looking for a sign. If you go all the way over to verse 12, then they will understand that we did not tell them to beware of the leavened bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So if you think about where we are right now in the United States of America, be careful where you're going for your teaching and will you allow the scriptures to be that for you. Also, if you go to Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 20, you get an opportunity to see Peter, where he is, uh, comes and says to the Lord, Lord, you are the son of the living God. And so the Jesus says, How, who told you this? And then God is going to use Peter to, to help establish the local church. And then in Matthew chapter 16, 24 and down, You get a chance to be reminded this morning that God is going to ask you to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow Him. So as we gather as a family this morning, and we're going to go over to Matthew chapter 19. And some of you already got some thought processes working in in your head as far as Matthew chapter 19. I just want to remind you, sitting in the United States of America... That the one who gave his life on the cross for you is going to say to you this morning, deny yourself. He's going to say to you this morning, not only to deny yourself, but take up your cross. Whatever that might be for you. Some of it is your past. Some of it is your anger. Some of it is your friendships. God, I just need to go in a different direction. God, I'm going to take up my cross, and I am going to, this is very important, follow you. So as you think about your life this week, how much fellowship did you do? What did it look like with you for you saying, you know what, Lord, I, I really love you and I'm looking forward to following you this week as you speak to me. As I read the scriptures. As I open up my heart to you and say, okay, you died on the cross for me, you preserved this thing called the Bible. What do you want to do in my life I am willing to keep my mouth closed and follow you. How does that look like for you? I appreciated your email. Amy sent us an email out and she reminded us of um, little Chloe having that little root, the Rubik's Cube and put it all back together and you got the green sign. How much did you grow this week? How much in your relationship with Christ did you grow? Did you say, hey, I want to work on what you want in my life? I'm here to hear your voice today. I'm pretty sure that all of you ate three meals a day this week. How many meals did you eat with Jesus? How much time do you say, hey, I want to invest in my relationship with you? How much did you grow this week? And what I want to encourage us in is, I feel like at times we think growing is, oh, well, I learned another Bible verse. Well, and that's important. But how much did I allow the scriptures that I know to infiltrate into how I act in my life? How does that filter down in who I am as an individual? How does that filter into my surroundings and situations of my life? God, you are Able to move the mountains. Have you seen him move mountains? I have. Do you think he can do it again? I do. My like God, I'm just going to trust you. You've been faithful. The other part of leading up to Matthew chapter 19 is this whole thing about this transfiguration and Jesus is going to show his glory. But and I think that is awesome. But what really grabs my attention out of Matthew chapter 17. Um, Hold on a second, I can't read. Let me get my glasses over here. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, it's a bummer getting old. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 17. Now I can see my Bible. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 17, verse 6. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and they were terrified. What have you heard this week that has caused you to fall on your face before the Lord? Here I am. I got it. I see you. I saw you move that mountain. Hey, I know you can do it again. I'm just, I'm just surrendering to you. I'm on my face before you. You've got this, I don't. Which I recognize for every single one of you. Because of what took place in the garden, you don't want to ask for help. You think you got it. Try it. Your blood pressure will be high. Your mate won't really like you because you think you got it. They're praying that you would say, God help. And you know what's interesting? The one who gave his life is willing to allow situations to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know why? He wants you to fall on your face and worship. He wants you to say, hey, I can't do this, but with you, we can do this. You're the one that moved the mountains. I didn't move the mountains. You're the one that made a way. Will you go to him? Matthew chapter 18. What I love about Matthew chapter 18 is this whole concept of forgiveness. And I think this is my personal opinion, and I won't spend a lot of time here, but my personal opinion is the Church of the United States of America needs a forgiveness ministry outbreak. Because I believe there are thousands of people sitting in a building that want forgiveness of their sins, but they're not forgiving the people that are around That you hear this morning and say, yeah, I need a Savior. He's the one that made, I need forgiveness. But you're still mad about something that happened ten years ago. Or you're still holding a grudge about your neighbor. Or you're still mad at whatever happened or didn't happen in your family. Instead of saying, you know what, God, you forgave, so I need to be the one that's willing to forgive. And that's a whole other sermon, and I'm not going to do that this morning. But Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. So you go to Matthew chapter 19. And most of you are already going to read at the top of your Matthew chapter 19 teaching about divorce. And so some of you are already uncomfortable. And so I told the first hour, I said, I will do better planning next time when I go away from a passage of scripture to not to come back one like this one. Because I realize that divorce affects every single person sitting in this building. There's not one family in here that does not is not affected by divorce. And so when we read this passage of Scripture and you start looking at verse, uh, chapter 19, everybody starts to kind of get a little bit uncomfortable. Well, I don't want you to be uncomfortable this morning because I'm really going to challenge you to look at some things maybe you haven't saw before as you look through Matthew chapter 19. The first thing that I want you to see this morning in Matthew chapter 19 is in verses 1 and 2. And when Jesus had finished these things, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judah near the Jordan, or Judea near the Jordan, and a large crowd followed him. And they were healed. Huh. So I started to think as I looked through the book of Matthew and started to think about chapter 19, I started to think about the large crowds. And I started to think about the individuals. What were they healed from? I don't have a whole lot of details. I'm not going to go into a lot of things there. But what's fascinating to me is that Jesus is moving and involved in ministry, and there's hundreds or thousands. There's many people being healed, but there's some people standing there that aren't interested in healing. There's some people standing in that crowd saying, you know what? We're not interested in if you can make a way. We're not interested in your power. We're not interested in your miraculous healing. We've got a question. You know what's interesting to me? Those people are the Pharisees. And what really makes me kind of ponder, you would have thought of any individuals that would have known about the old testament that would have recognized this jesus that they would have been individuals that would just been hey we need you we we know about you we know you've made a way so we want the healing but there's something about this individuals are saying you know what we don't need this jesus and not only do we not need this jesus we're going to challenge this jesus and so there's like this big tension as you look at Matthew chapter 19. The Pharisees are there, and in their hearts, they did not come for help from Jesus. So I'm just wondering, as we gather as a family, how many of you actually came for help today? How many of us are gathered and we said, you know what? When Jesus speaks to us through the Scriptures, We will listen. We will receive what he wants to say to us. Because really, if we'll listen, our lives will change. But that kind of takes a little bit of opportunity for humility. That kind of takes an opportunity for us to to lay down our guard and say, okay, okay, You've preserved something for us. Now you want to say something to us, and we want to listen. But none of us really want to listen because of what happened in the garden. We have a sin nature. So will you listen this morning? When the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to you, will you say, you know what, you're you're the one that can heal me today. You're the one that can do something inside of me. You're the one that can help me forgive. You're the one that wants me to fall on my face before you. You're the one that can help me deny myself and take up the cross and follow. I want to follow you, Father. Will you do it? Oh, I know we've got our questions. And, and what's really interesting about this passage of Scripture is we're going to talk about marriage. And I don't know if you've, as I've been doing some reading Uh, This week, I hadn't really thought about it from this perspective, but maybe you just it's just an interesting perspective. Do you realize that the first sin was committed inside the framework of marriage? You realize that? You realize God had a plan in the garden for the man to be the provider, the leader, and the protector, and the woman to be the helper, and there's going to be this interdependence in a relationship. That's how God designed it. But Eve decided. But she did not need to consult Adam, her protector, before she ate the fruit. And even though Adam was standing there, he didn't feel the need to be the spiritual leader of the home and say, you know what, honey, I don't really think that's the best thing we should do right now. And so because of those choices, you and I are faced with sin right now. And every marriage and every relationship has issues because of sin. So will you receive instruction from him today? Or will you be like that group of people that are standing in the crowd? And the Pharisees, if you go to Matthew chapter 19 and verse 3, and the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking him, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? That's the question. Here's our question. Is it lawful? Is it right for us to divorce our wife? Now, I love his answer. And I want you to circle this uh, in your Bible because he answers them very specifically. Now, I want you, i these are Jewish names, so you're not going to get me to pronounce them real well, and so I'm not going to do that. But there's just like this tension that's going on in this passage of Scripture as I was doing some reading this week. You've got one side of this group of individuals, those Jewish leaders. Uh, One of them, the guy at the top, if you want to say Hillian or however you want to pronounce that, he died about 20 years before Jesus' ministry. He taught you could divorce your wife for burning the toast. He taught you could divorce your wife for putting too much salt on her food. He also taught if you ever saw your wife talking to a man, you could just divorce her. Just put her away. And then there's another side, the guy at the bottom, he taught there was no real reason for divorce. There was no way you could, you could say it's over. So you've got a competition here, and you've got these guys. Some of them who are Pharisees believe, you know what? If you burn the toast, you're out of my house. You talk to the neighbor guy, see you later. And there's others that are there saying, hey, what do you, we don't think there's any grounds. And so they ask their question. Now look at his response. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast or cleave to his wife, the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. What, therefore, God has joined together, let who to not separate. Let not man separate. So here we are, guys who knew Old Testament, memorized, and he didn't respond to them. You know, you know what? This is my opinion. This is my preference. Have you not? read. That is very, very important. Because you know what Jesus has done? Jesus has devalued his opinion and he has valued the scriptures. Hey guys, it doesn't matter what I think. What was written? Have you not read that you are supposed to leave? Have you not read from the beginning, this was part of God's plan for this thing called marriage, for two people to fall in love, and they're supposed to be a couple. And so I said this to the first hours, some of people are still in their 40s and need to leave. Leave mom and dad behind and move forward. Have you not read, you're supposed to hold on. You're supposed to cleave to the one that you have chosen, the one that you've said your vows to, the one you've made promises to before who? God and who? Witnesses. I love to go to weddings and be the witness because in my mind I'm thinking, well, you just wait five years from now, I'm going to text that joker and say, hey, how are you taking care of your girlfriend? When was the last time you sent her a love note? When was the last time you sent her a text message? You witnessed it. I'm there. You said before God, I will do whatever. You didn't know what you're saying I do to, but you said it, I witnessed it. Okay? And so as I think about holding on, or I think about what has been written, this is what God said from the beginning. This is not my preference. This is not Jesus' preference. This is what God has said. It is written. Hold fast. What does that look like? Matthew 18, forgiveness know what else that looks like? Matthew chapter 17, falling on your face before your God, saying, hey, I'm in awe of who you are, and I'm here to worship you. You're in charge. You know what else that looks like? Matthew chapter 16, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow the one who gave his life for you. Are you willing to do that? Are we willing to say, you know what? It's written that this is what God had planned. It's written. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is what? Selfishness? Enjoying life? Hey, this is going to be great. This is marriage. We're supposed to be happy. That's what? No, it's written. Love's patient. Love's kind. Keeps no record of wrong. You know what I think is really interesting? The Pharisees didn't want an answer. You get a chance to see the arrogance of the Pharisees. You know why? They're going to ask another question. Instead of walking away and say, yep, that's our God. That's our leader. That's what we're looking for. We'll humble ourselves before that. Now, question number two. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? So for the sake of time, what I want you to do is spend some time after your afternoon nap in Deuteronomy chapter 24. What you will find most likely, if you read Deuteronomy very carefully and very slowly, you will find no command of Moses to give a certificate of divorce. You will not find a command there. What you will find is Moses commanding these people, yeah, I divorced this person, I'm going to marry this person, oh, they burnt the toast, so we're moving that person back, I want to go back to the original person. No, he commanded them not to be involved with that original person. That's the command. So it's really interesting, these guys even twisted the question that they knew about in Deuteronomy chapter 4. He said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. It would have been interesting how many of those Pharisees had already divorced their wives because they talked to a man, because they burnt the toast, because they put too much salt on the food. So you know what? And they should have said, wow, we're living in adultery. And what else is really interesting is, as you read through this passage of Scripture, we're going to get to the end of this, guess who's not around anymore? The Pharisees. They're gone. And so another thing that you probably want to look at as you think about immorality or sexual immorality, be reminded that that passage of Scripture, that verse itself refers back to Numbers chapter 25, verse 9, where 23,000 lost their lives, the Israelites lost their lives. Because of immorality. Now, I am in a family that divorce has affected my family. I have a younger brother. That him and his wife were divorced. My mom has often, she'll call me and ask me, what do you think about me marrying Terry? He's divorced. Am I living in adultery? And I'll, and I'll talk to mom a couple different times about that. So I understand. Okay? The one thing that I don't understand is, is how we as humans have elevated man's opinion over the authority of God's Word. You know what I hear now? Well, we're going to get divorced. Why? Well, I'm just not happy. Well, we're not in love anymore. Hmm. Sexual immorality. Hmm, not enough. Well, I didn't marry my soulmate. Well, the Scripture says, "From the beginning, it was not so." And if you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, that commits adultery. Is written. I didn't say this. This is what Jesus is telling the guys asking the questions, the Pharisees. He said it this way. Now I realize there are times, Bible-believing people, people going to church, and all of a sudden one just disappears. And they just run and run and run. And the one that's in church is chasing, chasing, chasing. There's nothing happening. And then there's a piece of paper. And there's a divorce. And then there's woundedness. Until that person goes home to be with the Lord. And I also recognize, probably more in our first hour crowd, there's a lot of people that are divorced and remarried and they're happily remarried. Okay, it's written that God is asking you to death the apart. Commit to them. But I don't want to end it there, okay? I want to show you another thing that I thought was really interesting. What has happened is the Pharisees do not have a, a fear uh, of the Lord, like in Proverbs chapter 1, uh, maybe, verse 7, or Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding or James chapter 1, verses 19-25, through 25, where this is what the Scripture says, and I want to be a doer of the Scripture. What's happening to them is, is this is what so-and-so said, and so we're going to do what so-and-so says. And I want to encourage us as a family that there's a lot of opportunities to talk to so-and-so, but do not allow so-and-so to be authoritative over the Scriptures. Well, so-and-so said, love love is this, and I'm supposed to be happy. Well, 1 Corinthians says this, love is patient, love is kind. That's what the scriptures say. So I want to show you something, and then we're going to end this this morning. Look who's left after question number two. The disciples said to him, if such is the case that his man is with his wife, is it better not to marry? Now, I want you to I want you to think about this a little bit. So you got the disciples who are listening to the two questions that are growing up in a society that what is right for them is if the man is not happy, he just divorces his wife. And now Jesus has stepped into society and said, Listen, this is what was from the beginning, gentlemen. And the disciples are saying, Hold on a second. Do we really want to get married? if you're telling us that we've got to be committed unless there's sexual immorality, do we really want to do this thing? Do we really want to get married? And what's sad for me is, is to think about where were all the marriages that were successful? Why did the disciples see a culture and a society that were in love with the Scriptures? They're involved in a society that was a lover of pleasure rather than lovers of self lovers of God. they're in a society that had a form of godliness and denied its power. That's where you and I live. And so this morning, and so these guys are going to say, well, we'll just, we'll just be single. And, and you can read through there, and, and yeah, so, some people have the gift of being single. And so for all of us in this room that have a little band around our finger that says that we're married, Maybe it's time for us to open up the scriptures and see what it says. And I won't do this. I'm not going to do a lot here. But Ephesians, or Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says that we need to be imitators of God as beloved, dearly beloved children. You're loved this morning. So live differently. Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about us as men, how he has, we have washed, her, washed our spouses with the Scripture. What does that look like? I've been trying to figure that out this week. What does it look like for me to wash Susan with the Scriptures? Is that my devotions? How do I practically make that happen? What does it look like for me to be a servant leader in my home? What does that look like? What does it look like for a husband to love his wife as he loves his own body? What does that look like? What does it look like for a husband to nourish or cherish his wife? You know what's neat is? It is written that I have a helper. It is written in Ephesians chapter 1 that there's been a gift that's been deposited inside of me. It's called the Holy Spirit. You know what's fun to do? Holy Spirit or God, Jesus, what does it look like for me to cherish Susan? Now, I've never heard any audible voices. Sometimes it's fold the laundry. Sometimes it's vacuum the floor. What it's not, I figured this out yesterday, what it does not mean is we have, um, what's that thing called? It smokes. Oh, a diffuser, okay? So I'm at the house by myself yesterday morning. I'm thinking, I'm going to try this thing out. I've never put water in the diffuser. I never put all these little essential oils in, it, so I'm going to make my mixture of the diffuser. Right? She's got all these things on the wall over there, so I mix it. You know, a little oregano and what was the rosemary? So she walks into the house. What are you? Are you cooking with rose? What I? What did you do? Well, I worked the diffuser. Well, what did you put in it? Well, I don't. I don't remember. You know, that, that's. I pulled that one there. It's like, I don't know if you know this, but you picked the two strongest ones, like of all the oils. Well, who knew? I like the smell. She did not like the smell. So the diffuser got emptied and re-deposited however it's supposed to be, you know, according to the standards. So that did not work yesterday. So I note to self, the diffuser off limits for a while till I learn the smells that go right in our home. Then it would be, that would be a way, okay, you know what, I've cherished her because I figured out what she likes and what she doesn't like. So anyhow. Um, And then wives, what does it look like for you to respect your husband? God, what do you want me to do? How can I show him respect? What does that look like? So the, the end of kind of what I want to say this morning is kind of puts it this way. Have you not read? Have you not read that God opposes the proud, give grace to the humble? Have you not read you put off these things and put on these things? Have you not read that you're loved? Have you not read that you're chosen? Have you not read that you are the light of the world? And so it's interesting, there's, either, there's kind of like two, two types of people sitting here. You're either the Pharisee saying, you know what, I don't need you, God, but I'm in the building. Well, you know, it just makes my wife feel better if I show up, so it's just easier not to argue, so I'm just going to go to church. Okay? I'm glad you're here. But I want us to see God do a movement of a Pharisee's heart to a humble. I want us to be individuals that say, have you not read? And then allow the scriptures to say, okay, I've read this. I've read that God created from the beginning a man and a woman and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Or maybe you're in here this morning saying, you know what? I I just got questions. Well, so-and-so said this, and I just think so-and-so is right have you not read the scriptures i think it would be time i think it's time for the church to show the world what marriage is supposed to look like it's time for the world to see men who love their women sacrificially and there needs to be less of well you know this is my question well this is what i think because god said i'll give you a gift And because I loved you, I expect you to love that gift until you take your last breath. So I want you to pray with me. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. And there's a lot of different people, and you know every single heart that's sitting in here. So I pray, Father, that you would draw their hearts to you. So if if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, then this is really not going to make any sense to love somebody sacrificially because you've never received the one who sacrificially gave his life for you. I think, Father, most of us in here could say, yeah, we know Jesus, but we have our preferences. We have our opinions. We have our thoughts. We have our questions. But we also are willing to humble ourselves before the creator of heaven and earth and follow his teachings follow his word so father raise up a generation of men and women that will follow your word and marriages will be looked on in honor and esteem and people say wow i want to what makes that marriage different It's because we've read the scriptures and we're following so help us father in your name we pray amen god bless you have a great day